0: Hey everybody and welcome back to Be A Warrior podcast. I am your host and an above-knee amputee, Angie Huser. It's that time once again to unleash the warrior within you. Are you ready? Then let's get started. Well, Hey everyone, welcome back to the show or welcome for the first time. I'm glad you're here. Um, like I said, my name is Angie and I am an above knee amputee. I have been for five years and this is where I go to kind of tell my personal journey, explain what happens when certain things go on as an amputee, but also hopefully to empower and ignite some positive mojo in your life. And in the lives of anybody else that might be around you or dealing with certain things that they're going through, may not be amputation. Everybody needs a dose of positivity every once in a while, correct? So today I thought I would tell you a story. And you know, it kind of, I always say that every week there's something that inspires me to speak for the next week. So if you're new to my podcast, I do try to put a new podcast out every Wednesday. Um, Sometimes I'm on vacation, I am a mom, I am a wife, and life does get the better of me too. I do this really for my own personal journey and to help others. So sometimes life does get the better of me and I um, will struggle on a week or two not to have one out. This week, however, I have a new story for you. Um, And actually what I'd like to do is tell you a story that happened about four years ago, right after my amputation and how it leads me to what happened to me this week, and how maybe you can use that to help you in your future endeavors. So for those of you that have been following me, I live in Arizona. You know that I'm around a horse often, and I spend usually Monday through Friday. Now I've had a hard time kickstarting in the beginning of this year just because we have a new puppy that we got the 3rd of January and my life has revolved around her and potty training, which I have to say is a whole nother episode in and of itself because as an amputee, middle of the night potty training when you don't wear your leg is really hard and I can't just slip my Um, socket on because I am a skin fit and that takes a little bit more grunt work to get it on properly. So I have to go out with crutches. Now, that being said, my horse and I met about four years ago. Well, three years ago, I guess. About four years ago. No, it was. It was three years ago. We just had our gotcha day. So I would guess that maybe my story happens about three to three and a half years ago, a couple years after my amputation. Now, my f- first year of being an amputee, I I feel very blessed and very lucky. That's the reason why I started the podcast, because I have a testimony here. Um, I did build all my um, strength through my faith, but there's also a lot of underlying... Um, techniques and tools that I've learned over the years as a teacher and as a mom, um, as a little sister to three big brothers that have all culminated um, and all that experience has culminated for me to be able to speak from the heart about some of these topics. One of them is perseverance. And if you have um, siblings that are older than you, especially if you're a woman and you have big brothers, you understand what that means. That means learning how to run really fast at commercial breaks. Um, It is learning how to uh, be tackled because you are the only one that they will um, tackle during a football game outside in the yard. And so you've, you've learned, and jump scares. Uh, my brothers loved to hide in corners at night and jump out at me. All I have to say is thank God for my puppy at that time because she was my saving grace. <laughs> but let me move on. When I got amputated December of 2018, it was elected. Um, I So I knew it was coming. And prior to that, I had made a um, a kind of a a positive board, a vision board of what I saw at least my first year into this looking like. Now, I knew no one who was an amputee. I'd never seen anybody go through it. I did have a peer visit prior to my amputation, but that only goes so far in an office, in a meeting room, when they're actually getting fitted for their own socket and have their own things they need to deal with. So it's not like a full-on I know your whole life story after 20 minutes, but that is where I was at, which might actually be what saved me because now that I am on a ton of Facebook page pages and stuff for amputees, I see the, the fears, the concerns, the wounds, the lack of healing, the lack of fits for prosthetics, et cetera, etc. cetera, et cetera. It is like watching doomsday happen every day over and over again on these. So I have stopped going on or looking as much because it's so defeating and depressing. Now, because I didn't have that, I had no preconceived notions on what stumbling blocks I might encounter. All I knew is that whatever was in my head is what I knew. So I did have worries. I did have concerns. I had major um, scar issues prior to the amputation, so I was worried that that might stop me from being able to fit a socket well. So I had things that I was worried about, if I'd never walk again kind of things. But I had put down goals, all my goals that I wanted to accomplish within the first year. And my first year didn't go without pain and struggles but I hit every goal that I set for myself because that's where I was driven and focused on. I mean, that whole first year, thank, thankfully my family was very welcoming to this, but my first full year of being an amputee was all about me and, it, and they were right on board. They were there supporting me. They were there with me every step of the way. And I'm grateful because with that, I was able to find myself. Now, Keep in mind, you hit all these goals at first year, you have some phantom pain, some phantom sensations, you have all the regular stuff, nothing extreme, no major wound issues, fitting issues, that was just part of the game. And I knew that because my prosthetist told me there would be fitting issues because one, my plan was to lose weight, which I did, and I lost a lot of weight. And two, I knew I would atrophy, which also would change the volume and the shape of my leg. And three after surgery, you're still for a whole year healing your wounds. And that's a big wound to heal from. And the swelling was there and the swelling was, you know, obviously very apparent. So between weight loss atrophy and the swelling going down, everything was changing drastically. Like if you see a picture on the internet of me where I have all these things in front of me on the ground, those are all the sockets I had within the first three years of being an amputee and I was missing two in that picture and I was wearing one. So I think there was like 16 in that picture. Now this one that I'm wearing today I have had for like over a year and it's so wonderful not to have to go back and get refitted because every refit has its own problems and learning curves and you know working through sores that happen because of the way it's rubbing. So after I hit all those goals here's where the equine side came in. Now I am an Illinois girl born and raised near Chicago and always dreamed when I was little of having a pony. Um, I had family out in, on farmland in Iowa, but they were distant relatives. So I always dreamed if they had horses, maybe I could have a horse. And You don't have those in the suburbs of Chicago. You just don't. There's no space for that there. Not in where we grew up, where it was a tight suburbs. So we moved out here in 2009 with our family in Arizona. And still, I was a mom. I was dealing with homeschooling my kids into five years of surgeries. So that was never a thing. But my husband and I took a little retreat where they had something called equine meditation. And I'm like, oh, come on, you know, I never get to do anything around horses. I would love to just do this. And God loved my husband because he was like, fine, let's do it. He didn't want to do it. He don't want to be around him. He doesn't care about it. But He would do anything for me, and I love the man. So we did this equine meditation, and ironically, I did do, if you look back in my, probably my first year of doing my podcast, and we're in season four now, the first year I did talk about this horse experience in really more emotional detail because it was so fresh at the time, and I had to, I had to speak on it, but I'm going to reiterate this one for those of you that are new we did this equine meditation. It was kind of right after, I guess right after COVID, when they finally started opening up resorts. And the only other people doing this equine meditation with us was a mom and her daughter from U of A. And so it was just the four of us and a lead person. And they talked about grounding yourself and finding center and breathing and quieting the mind and really observing how your body feels. Okay. Well, as an amputee, I feel like, I feel like my body is always on fire. So I try not to sit there and focus on how my body feels. I try to get away from how my body feels, at least in my leg. So this was a new experience. And I went to do that. We sat there for a little bit and did that as a practice run. And then she pulled us into a corral, a large corral, that had like five or six horses. And she told us to ground ourselves while we stood there and, um, trying to close my eyes as an amputee. There's not as great a balance. So you kind of try to do it, but you kind of put a lot of weight on your good leg and try to stabilize there and you try to calm. And sometimes I just have to open my eyes to find a center of gravity. And we did this. And then the lady said, okay, what I want you to do now is we're just going to quiet down. And I want you to just pay attention to the horses as you quiet your mind. And all of a sudden you notice that like, three or four of them kind of came over by us. And she said, yeah, don't mind the two that are far away. Those two aren't really big on this meditation thing, but we've got these here. And she said, I want everybody to go find a horse. Well, me, the way I am, I wanted a challenge. And I thought I'm totally centered. I got this. I'm comfortable with my new me. It's been a year or so, two years. I've got this but I've never really walked on this uneven dirt and rocks and things like that. And, and I shouldn't say I haven't done that. Like we hike around here a lot, but when you're trying to be stealth like and be real calm and a nice, gentle, smooth gait, it is not what happens with an amputation on uneven ground. So I went up uncomfortably to the horses that were really far off and I put myself out there big. And Doing so, um, I went up and I was able to touch the one horse and it looked back at me and it was like, "Uh uh-uh, no way, and it walked away from me with gusto. And there I was in the middle of the corral. Everybody else has a horse. Even my husband, who didn't even want to be there, had a horse sitting by him and not moving and mine walked away. And I, I laugh now because I remember the emotion and it was deep and it cut hard. And I remember looking at my husband and you could just see him saying, keep your shit together, keep your shit together. Cause there were tears welling up inside of me. Cause I felt the ultimate of rejection. Like I thought I knew what I was doing. I was like the calm one. I could do this. Animals love me. Right. (laughs) And the, the instructor was like, so feels a little bit like rejection. Right. And I'm like, Oh my God. Yeah. Like this is horrible. And she's like, why do you think? And upon about five seconds of reflection, I knew what it was. I could tell right away that I wasn't comfortable in my walk to a horse. So I was stiff and I was trying to control very methodically my gait to look like I was totally in control and smooth. And that horse sensed a barrier that was within me and how I was, I was guarding myself from something and it didn't know what it was and it didn't want any part of it because it wasn't, it was very unsure. And she's like, that's exactly what it is. So we did some things, we changed some stuff around, we, we roped off some of the horses and we went up to each, I went to a totally different horse, went up to it, was able to lay up against it, work on breathing skills and everything, unroped those horses, the horse I was with was staying with me, I was calm, I was centered, I was focused, I felt great, things were going good. And then of all things, that horse that wanted nothing to do with me that was still way off in the distance in the corral, came over like gangbusters, shoved this horse that was with me out of the way, strolled up right beside me. Now, if you've ever been around horses that close, you know, like a thousand pound animal coming up and with gusto, pushing between you and another, you know, I took a step back or two and I thought it would scare it. Instead, it was stuck to me like glue and the other horse was like, Oh, okay, I'm out. And that horse that rejected me originally, was letting me lay hands on it, lay on it, put my arms around it. I was able to go to its face and I was able to just examine the face and touch the face and it smelled my hands. It was incredible and it was, was earth shaking for me inside. And everything changed in that moment. I said it was like a paradigm there. Everything shifted for me. And the way I was thinking about how I was handling myself and my amputation, how I was guarding myself so that I wasn't looking or appearing like I was struggling and how I do that on a day-to-day basis. So yeah, when you see any videos of me, I'm very focused and very guarded on how I move, I walk, I talk. I I don't try to just show my best, but I sure as heck work very hard to come across like I've got my crap together and not, that's not the case. That's not always the case. So we did this. And ironically, as we were told it was time to leave, we started leaving the corral and my horse turned around and looked at me walking away and galloped up next to me. And she had to hold that horse back because it wanted to stay with me. And right then and there, my love affair with the equine world started like so hard that the next day we were home, I called a friend of mine and asked if she knew of anybody that had horses I could just be around so I could really find myself internally and find peace. And she said, me, and that I'm rescuing a horse. If you look on any of my my social media pages, you will know that my horse is Sakari. I named her, that means Sweet in um, Native American. I'm not sure which tribe, and I apologize for that. Um, It was a long time ago um, that I picked that name. And, um, and anyways, I started working with this horse. Then I got into getting certified online in animal, uh, equine training and advanced training, and I'm currently working on my equine massage therapy certification, which quite frankly, I didn't realize was going to be so much on biology. I should have guessed, but I'm working on all the muscle groups, which is really, really hard. Um, I thought I was done with that type of schooling, not so much. Now we fast forward. So that's my story of finding myself. And um, the peace that I have been able to find with Sakari on a daily basis is going there and loving on her, letting her know how beautiful she is. And, you know, I was thinking about this last week when I was with her. You know, I have a new puppy here and I'm constantly trying to praise her, right? So there's a lot of positivity coming out of my mouth. Then I realized I went to the whore, my horse yesterday or last week, and as I'm sitting there with her, you know, I, I go up to her and I tell her I'm here, that I love her, that she's beautiful, that she's special, she's safe, she's um, appreciated. I ask permission to approach her, I ask permission to touch her, um, and she reciprocates that love and that acceptance of me, and she understands that I respect her space. Then I tie her off, and I brush her, and I groom her, and I love on her, and she gets treats while I do that. And it's our connection time. And yeah, I do have her cross-tied, just so I can do a really good job grooming her, because I do her hooves and stuff. But that whole time I'm with her, i if I videotaped everything I said to her, you guys would be like pulling your hair out probably, because it's like, oh my God, how much gushing. But I realize that everything that comes out of my mouth is positive. I give her every positive affirmation over and over and over again that I can. And then I ask myself, how much do I do that to myself, like internally? And how much of that time do I spend being negative? Like, oh, look at you, you can't even walk straight. Or, my God, you stumbled again. Or, can't you get this right? Why can't you... We do this, right? We do this to ourselves all the time. But yet I am free giving of positivity to my puppy, my two-year-old dog, and the horse. But I'm so much more critical on myself. And don't get me wrong. The puppy has peed on the floor and she gets spanked. She's told no. And then I'm loving her. So she understands it's not her. It's the act, right? Same with my horse. I don't actually ever get after my horse. There's a couple times she's tried to nibble a little too hard or tried to grab my hat usually the hat makes me laugh but if she tries to grab my hand I'll tell her no biting and then I'm back to stroking her gently and telling her I love her and that she is safe and cared for and loved and I'll never leave her so my question is like why are we so critical about ourselves but so positive towards creatures that do they understand the actual words or just the tone And I think, gosh, we need to do a lot more of that self-positive talk, that self-esteem building talk, um, more often to ourselves, whether it's in our brain or we actually speak it. I mean, I'm sure some of you might do something and you'd be like, oh my God, I'm so stupid. Well, why would you say that? Even that flippant comment is so negative. You're not stupid. And just because you made a screw up or fumbled something doesn't make you stupid. It makes you human. So I got that going for us. Now, let's move on. And I'm trying to move as quickly as I can because I'm not even to the point of this conversation. However, that podcast could end right there with positive affirmations, right? Let's give it more to ourselves. Last week, I got a call from a friend, a a new friend actually from our area here in Carefree, who said, are you looking for uh, horses? Now, keeping in mind, my horse is on somebody else's property who has a nonprofit, and we do things through that. My husband and I donate and that's how she gets fed and things like that. And I, I of course, would love to just, yes, I'll take any any animal that's being thrown away. I would definitely. That is not the same when it comes to my husband because I'm the emotional side. He is the logical side. He keeps me in check um, when I want to go overboard. So my friend is who I reach out to, and I said, well, let me know all the information about him, and let me tell my friend. Well, when I found out it was two horses, a mini and a full-size gelding, and they were, at least the one is in his 20s, mid-20s, and the other one has a little bit of an issue medically, I thought, well, I'm sorry, I didn't realize that this probably is a bad situation. My friend said, no, hold on. So we're going to rescue these two horses. Like I said, one's a mini and one's a pretty um, medium-sized gelding and beautiful. So last week, I got to go out and I got to go see these two. I wanted to personally inspect them, take some video. But more importantly for me, because I'm trying to start equine therapy with my horse for others struggling with positivity, self-affirmation, amputation, medical issues, whatever you name it, horses are very healing. I wanted to really see if this horse being at that age is not a riding horse. It is more of a horse that just needs to love and be retired. And you know what? Horses want purpose like people. And I want to use horses for therapy, not for riding for therapy. And so I want to go out and I needed to see eye to eye with this horse, the deep, deep depth of its soul and see if it could make a connection with me to that day. So last week I went out and I don't know much about Minnie, so I was really focused on the um, bigger horse. The Minnie has issues with socialization, so that's kind of a project for me, which I'm very excited about. But the Gelding was amazing, and I'll tell you what, I never go up to a horse with sunglasses on because if I want to see in the depth of their eyes, I want them to see mine because that's where our intentions lie. And so I went up to this, this gelding and I just, I, I let it smell me. I talked to it. I stroked its face. It let me touch it. Um, it it literally put its mouth on my hand. Didn't try to bite, just opened its mouth so I could feel its teeth and it just sunk its head very heavy head into my hand, almost fell asleep there while I had my hand out palm up in front of it. And I knew right there that he would be a great asset for my therapy um, sessions with people. And so I went back and talked to my friend and we'll be re- rescuing them. Now, how does this apply to where I want to go today? So the last couple of days I told you, I really don't interface with Facebook groups that much because it's really, really heart wrenching to see so many people struggling. But I did notice that there were, um, there was a comment by someone on one group. And I will just say that it was just one comment that stuck with me and I didn't go in to see, I didn't want to see any of the comments. I didn't want to see anything else. I didn't want to know anything about the person, but the comment itself was, how do you all handle seeing so many people doing well and I am going nowhere. I'm stuck. I can't get a good fit. It hurts. I'm in a wheelchair and I believe this is how my life will go. Yet I see so many amputees rocking it and doing everything they dreamed and wished of doing. And I was heartbroken by this comment. And I started to place together these things about being rescued. A horse is a being that has a lot to give the world if we would just quiet ourselves and watch and listen. We have to rescue them because they can't do that for themselves when they have been used or abused throughout their whole life. And we rescue them to give them a good life. But I will tell you right now, when it comes to people, yes, people need to be rescued. But when you are an amputee struggling with how things are going and you're seeing out there on social media, so many others doing life and looking like they've got everything together. I will tell you, number one, stop comparing yourself to everybody else. I can't express enough how special and wonderful you are, who you are, the way you are, no matter where you're at in your journey. And that is the God honest truth. God made each one of us different He made us that way for a reason. Gosh, if we were all the same, how boring life would be. But to find somebody that's different and struggling with something and finding a way through the struggle to find light on the other side of that struggle, that's special. And you are going through what you're going through for a reason. It is building you up for something bigger, greater, and more important. You were not given this life or that life, because that is not your lifestyle or your journey or your story to have. Your story is the one you're building now. And our story doesn't have an ending point. Our story is an ongoing chapter by chapter until we go and and find peace in heaven. That is the story. Our story, the moment we are, are conceived to the moment we take our last breath, is our story. Our story does not end so that we can, I don't know. I don't know why people think their story is about succeeding through the amputation. Well, what is success to you? For me, it was proving a doctor that told me I'd never walk again if I did this. It was proving to him I could. It was proving to myself that I could get back on top of a ski slope with my family instead of at the bottom crying watching them do that without me, which I did for five years through knee surgeries. We have to be able to rescue ourselves. Unlike the horses that need a home, and I want to be able to give that home and that place where they feel accepted and safe and loved, and have a purpose yes people around us can do that the problem with people is they come and go in our lives they are fickle they have their own problems they have their own issues and when you think an amputee is rocking their life because it shows on social media don't even for once think that the stuff they aren't showing you is pain, is discomfort, is a struggle on this day or that day or that moment or that moment. They're just not showing you that because who wants to watch social media of Debbie Downers? Yeah, they wanna see what's possible. People wanna be inspired, they wanna see that. But when you are an amputee, sometimes that stuff doesn't inspire you, it deflates you because it takes away what you're, you're valuing somebody else's goals that they've set and achieved but you never saw how long they worked to hit that goal. You only see the goal being done. What about you? What are your goals? You have to find your own goals. You have to be able to pull yourself out of the pit. You have to be able to rescue yourself. If you can't rescue yourself, then you're gonna be stuck for a very long time and you are gonna be the one in the pity party. And I told someone a couple of weeks ago on one of my podcasts, if you're gonna be the pity party person, Be prepared to watch people leave your life in droves because there is one thing to go through something hard and have a friend there to lean into. It's another thing to continually harp on the thing you're going through and using them and abusing that relationship because everybody needs someone that's also there for themselves. Just because you have a friend that's with you doesn't mean a friend isn't struggling with their own own day-to-day struggles. And they may not be an amputee, they may not be sick, but they have emotions and they have relationships and jobs and sometimes a lack of purpose and they find themselves doubting where they're at and what they are meant to be doing here. So if you want to be rescued, you need to look inside for that. Instead of searching Facebook for someone to tell you, how do I get through this? Only you know how you're going to get through it. You have to be strong enough to rescue yourself. And guess what? No one is strong the first time they hit their challenge. They have to build that. No matter what I tell you I've done to help me get through day-to-day problems, doesn't mean you're going to start where I ended. I had to build that character. I had to build that grit. I had to learn from do- doing things and learn from pain and learn from falling down. I didn't just start walking. I mean, yes, you'll hear people say, oh, I walked right out of the prosthesis office. So did I with a cane. But I'll tell you, it was not pretty. I didn't. I don't remember taking pictures or video of that because I didn't want to see that. I was overweight and I was looking horrible. I was so embarrassed by the size of my socket because I was bigger than I'd ever been in all my life. I didn't want pictures to remind myself of that because I wasn't sure I'd ever get out of that. Would I ever walk real? Would I ever lose weight and feel good about myself? So I didn't document that. But just cause it's not documented doesn't mean I didn't struggle. I went on a vacation right after getting my prosthetic And I beat the crap out of my femur bone. It hit so many times in the front. I was in so much pain. I have not been in that kind of pain since that week. Once my my PT taught me how to actually engage my new leg, then I learned what I was doing wrong and I had to fix it. But I learned through some extreme, extreme pain that week what not to do. And that's how you learn. I could tell you everything I did, but until you figure out what works and doesn't work for you, and each one of us is built differently. Some of you have been in a wheelchair, so your hip flexors are really, really tight, which then makes your residual limbs stick out, which probably makes you hit your socket harder. So there are things that happen. But when I tell you, like, I'm going to go and I'm going to rescue a couple horses, and that brings great joy to me. I know that only you can rescue yourself from where you're at. Yes, you can get inspired. I hope that you get inspired by listening to my podcast or any positive things I might throw out there. I hope it doesn't offend you. I hope you're not hurt by the fact that I can do this and you can't yet. That is for you to figure out. And that is your path and that is your journey. And you know what? The things you have to work hardest for, they they're they're hard yes, but the reward of actually earning them at the end or at that point when you actually do the, something that you've been wanting to do the reward is something so glorious and marvelous and beautiful that nobody can take that joy away from you. That is deep within you. You have earned it, and that is the only way. There is no quick trip, trick. Excuse me, for becoming a great walking, accomplished amputee. There is not one trick. There's a million and only one, certain ones, will work for you. You must do it for yourself. You must rescue yourself. And if right now you are stuck in a wheelchair because you haven't found the right prosthetist, the right fit, you can't seem to heal, this too shall pass. You will get there, but you have to look inward and get yourself out of that negativity and rescue yourself. You have to tell yourself that you are worthy, that you are wonderful, you're beautiful, you are loved, you are safe. You have to be able to tell yourself you bring that to the table for yourself because when it comes down to it, and I always say nighttime was the worst because at night when everything is shut off, and the world is quiet and it's dark you are truly in that moment 100 percent alone with yourself and with your thoughts i can be laying right next to my husband who can be sound asleep and he has no idea that i am dealing with the worst phantom pains of my life and i must work through that i can't wake him up and say i don't know what to do this is driving me nuts it's not going to help him at all. And he needs to work the next day. And there's nothing he can say that will make me feel better. And there is nothing he can do to take away phantom pain. Only I have done that. Only I know what works for me. It may be the way I lay down. It may be getting up and walking around. It may be putting on a movie for a little while until I can get so tired that I fall asleep exhausted. So it is time to stand up, warriors. Be strong, Rescue yourself from where you're at and let yourself know that you are okay with where you're at right now because it is a journey and that journey is not an easy one. It is one that takes time and a lot of effort and a million tons of patience and you probably have none of that. but you're going to have to learn because that is the only way to get through this. But I know you've got it in you. Each one of us was built with that in us. That's how we were born. But you have to learn to struggle through something. Think through what you're going through, what will work for you. And you try and you try and you try. It's funny because every time I say that, truly the thing that I go back to is I used to teach middle school science And one of the people I always used to talk to my kids about was Thomas Edison. And I always loved the story about how Edison tried like 99 things like filaments that wouldn't work and only one worked. And people said, man, he failed 99 times. And he said, no, I just figured out 99 things that don't work for this, that don't conduct electricity to make a light bulb. That is kind of what it's like being an amputee. You try something. Well, that didn't work. Okay, well, I know that doesn't work. I don't have to do that again. Try something else. Try something else. Try something else. You learn everything that doesn't work to find the one thing that works, whether it's how to walk or gaining strength or learning to run or dealing with phantom pains, whatever the case may be, don't discount the fails because those fails are what teach you what work. And I tell my kids all that all the time. And I, when I homeschooled my boys, I said failure is what you need to go through to learn. If you don't ever fail, you haven't pushed yourself hard enough to learn something new. And as an amputee, I can tell you there is nothing in the face of this earth that is newer than cutting your leg off and learning to walk with some heavy metal machinery on your leg. And There is nobody out there that can truly tell you how it'll work for you, except you and how you function through it. So get out there and rescue yourself. You deserve it. Like these two horses next week that we're going to rescue. They deserve to be loved. You deserve to be loved. They can't do it for themselves. I am going to supply that. But for you, you have the capability for self-love, and motivation and that stick to itness that you must have, only you can rescue yourself out of that pit you might be in right now. And I hope if you are struggling that you understand that you are worth it and you are so, so special and so loved. Don't ever give up on yourself. Just know it's a journey, enjoy the journey, and watch yourself, journal yourself, changing day by day month by month, year by year, and then someday you'll look back and go, do you remember when? And you're going to sit there and laugh at how you were struggling, and to see where you are now, you're going to be so proud of yourself. I know you will. So get out there, warriors. Rise up. Be strong. Rescue yourself. You are worth it. Again, as always, I hope you have a very blessed week. I hope you enjoyed this podcast, and I hope to hear see you next week on Be A Warrior Podcast. Come talk to me. Send me a DM. I'd love to have a conversation. And until next time, and as always, be healthy, be happy, be you.